Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, an update on how inflation is eating at your life and your wallet. What's going on with the housing market, the job market. Also, lots of people have been moving recently, some to other states for more affordable living. There's a significant danger moving to a place that's unfamiliar to you. I have an important warning for you before you sign the sales contract. So I've been reading a lot of the economic data, I mean, constantly, because I know front of mind for you and a wall of worries is how you go shopping at the supermarket and it seems like every month it's more money than the month before for groceries. And it seems like because that has been the case. The average American is having to spend $15 more a day for the same quality of life as a year ago today, approximately. $15 a day. I mean, that is a significant and real and strong burden. We're going through a rotation with inflation. A lot of the things that really were engines of inflation have settled down. Uh, Goods-based inflation overwhelmingly has been squeezed out. Things stuff a place to live. Housing prices that went up, up, up and away, whether for purchase or rental, that has now changed. And there are a small number of markets that housing costs have gone down somewhere around 1, 1.5% recently after the long, long, long run-up. And we're going to see more moderation in housing costs, and especially for the a little bit more than third of Americans who rent, who've been hit with brutal rent increases, we're going to see more and more deals popping up on rent. Gasoline. I mean, we've seen continual decline in the price of gasoline, but it's unclear where that's going to go next because we don't know what's going to happen in the war in Ukraine next. But for now, that's been a better picture. But what has remained rough and tough? Anything to do with services. Because as the cost pressures have hit people, People have needed to make more money in their lives. The job market has been so very strong. People have been out seeking more money, whether they've stayed or they've left to get more money. And in the service side of the economy, 
labor costs or so much of the overall cost of running a business. Imagine you're a service business right now. Just try to put yourself in the place of a service business owner. He or she facing enormous pressure dealing with the cost of running that business and at the same time resistance from customers about facing higher costs for the services they're getting from you at your business. I mean, this is a tough time. So the Federal Reserve, when you look at the inflation report that came out last week, what the Federal Reserve is going to have to do is they're going to have to keep trying to put the brakes on the economy. They're going to squeeze the economy. The reason is the job market is incredibly strong by historical numbers. They're going to apply breaks to the economy, slow down the job market, slow down the economy in order to get rid of the services inflation. And so it's going to hurt. This is not going to be a brutal economic cycle we're going into. But if they don't do what the Federal Reserve is doing, inflation becomes an expectation. We're not there yet. In fact, financial markets are already pricing in inflation being under control when they look forward the next year or two. But getting through squeezing this inflation out, depending on where you sit in this economic mix, you're going to feel some of that or a lot of it, depending on where you are. But you're going to see improvement on the inflation front, not month by month, because that can have a bit of a wave effect. But moving forward, you're going to see the improvement, borrowing some really unexpected increase in war activity in Europe or elsewhere. We're going to get the U.S. economy under control. Know that inflation is a worldwide problem right now. It is an ugly problem around the globe. And we are actually weirdly doing better than a lot of the rest of the world with managing the inflationary problem that came about first, obviously, because of COVID, supply chain disruptions and the rest. And we're further along in the United States than many other countries at getting this inflationary cycle broken. But the breaking of it is going to hurt. The, the things that have hurt us, though, over the last year with that $15 more a day needed out of our wallet that may not be there, we got to deal with that and we're going to get there. And eventually even at the supermarket. All right, we'll go to questions now. This is from Frank in Virginia. Clark, I used to have a regular schedule of checking a credit report every four months to keep on top of things. Now with Credit Karma and the countless alerts from the credit card companies, if things seem stable and correct, is there any reason to get my free reports each year? No, you don't need annualcreditreport.com anymore. If you've signed up for Credit Sesame, Credit Karma, you're getting alerts from the various credit cards. We've gone from, this is so funny, where knowing about your credit was treated by the 
banks as if it was a state secret and only they were allowed to know and you weren't allowed to know anything about your credit standing to now everybody's throwing us these alerts every day. And I find there's so many alerts coming now about my credit that I'm almost zoning out and tuning them out. Yeah. You getting that too? Well, I just get a lot of like your credit scores changed and that kind of stuff. And you'll look and it's gone up or down a point. Like a point, I know. Yeah. It's when there's a big movement that then it's like an oops. And the most important things, the only things that really matter outside of identity theft are that you pay every bill you have every month on time. And that's one that requires perfection. Because even a single late pay can really hurt you. And then the second thing is that you keep your utilization of credit very low. That's the amount of the available credit you have that you never are using more than 30%. If you want to turbo your credit score, always keep the amount you're using at less than 10%. And this is from Anita in Kentucky. I had my daughter's backpack for sale on Craigslist. I requested texts only. I received a text that was at first friendly and then asked for a picture of me, which I did not send. What? Then all of a sudden, when we were planning to meet, I would not go alone. An inappropriate picture came through. I blocked the number, but where could I report this number to someone who would and could do something about it? So... Anita, my goodness, I'm really, really sorry that a sick, demented person was trolling Craigslist. I mean, that is weird. I, I mean, think it's all too common, unfortunately. This kind oh, of thing? Yes. Sending inappropriate images to yeah. somebody? Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. So blocking the number, reporting it because of burner numbers, you're not going to be able to do anything about it, really. I'm just so, so sorry this happened. And you say it's common and regular on Craigslist? I believe it is. I've heard of it happening before. People I, I, sending pictures and hoping you'll like click in for more, or maybe they're just a sick person. Just, wow. you know, I mean, selling things online is one way. If they have your text number, that's, you know, it's a bummer. But people get unsolicited texts and then they start getting this stuff too. I mean, right. selling online, I mean, is there any authority you could report this to? I mean... I really don't think so because, right. you know, it's such a... It's pornography distribution. Right. But it's such an obscure... It's such a hard trail to track down. Yeah. And uh, they almost certainly are not anywhere local at all. Yeah. So I... I sell stuff, use stuff I only sell now on Facebook, not in the wider marketplace, but in local groups where people have Neighborhood to, group. Neighborhood groups are on next door because, you know, it's just so scary. Well, I mean, you think about when Craigslist started, it was such a incredible breath of fresh air and wonderful idea, but it's free and open to everybody, mm -hmm. ultimate libertarian kind of thing. Right. And so you end up with, uh, with sickos out I there. I took my business elsewhere. <laughs> um, this is from Lori in Georgia. Is it possible these days with the types of cars being built that one can last for 20 years? I bought a 2002 Toyota Highlander new. The AC has gone out in it with 266,000 miles on it. I'd like to get another car that will last that long with proper maintenance. So Lori, cars are actually vehicles much, much more reliable than they used to be. I know people always think, well, they don't build things like they used to. Vehicles actually are built better, 
and are much more reliable. And so I think it is very possible you can find one that will last an exceedingly long period of time again. So the biggest issue with reliability in vehicles today are all the electronics and computers being put on them. The simpler a vehicle you buy, the easy, more easily it can be maintained, and the lifespan of it can be extremely long. And I know there are a lot of people who tell us their stories about, well, you know, we hear more about Toyotas than anything else with the ultra-long life. Mm-hmm. But we'll hear about it with any brand that somebody maintains it well, and they're able to get uh, more than two decades of use out of a vehicle. But I would not worry that just because you're buying a vehicle today, that suddenly it's not going to work for you long term. I think to the contrary, the auto market is so unbelievably competitive today that it's very possible that you could have a vehicle last an ultra long time. So speaking of something that needs to last a long time, that's the home you buy. But before you buy a home, there's an important step I need for you to take. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Americans for a long time have not been on the move. We've been staying local for a long, long, long time. And then patterns so disrupted during COVID, Americans went back to being more footloose and fancy free like in prior generations. There are reasons I shared with you recently because of mortgages and people who've locked in really low rates, what's being referred to as mortgage lock, that we may now go to people being more in place. But I want to talk about being on the move. I have a huge bias. And that is, if you decide to move to an unfamiliar part of the country, far away from where you've lived, I have such a bias for you to rent at first rather than buy. Particularly now that home prices are inflated, I want you to be a renter. And there are a number of different reasons. One, you may think, particularly an area that you've loved to vacation in, that you think you want it all the time and you get there not as a vacationer but as a permanent resident and you're like, wow, this isn't as much fun as it was when I'd come here a week a year. That happens a lot. Renting is really valuable. But then we also have another factor today, and it's when that you normally wouldn't is you're excited about moving to an area, you're only going to normally focus on it as an afterthought. And that's ensuring a home that you buy in an area you move to. Because homeowners insurers now treat homeowners insurance completely differently than they used to. If you go back even one generation, homeowners insurance 
used to be a pretty meat and potatoes kind of thing. You would be buying a home, they'd ask what it cost, ask some questions about the home when it was built and stuff like that, and there'd be a premium that wouldn't vary a whole lot from one area of the country to another, one state to another. Today, homeowners insurance, because of the computer technology that's available and the ability to much more precisely calculate risk, homeowners insurance has become a complete wild card. So you can end up, believe it or not, in a situation where your homeowner's insurance premium can rival what you might be paying in mortgage. I know that's weird, but it can. As the calculated risk in certain areas gets higher and higher, uh, think about all the stuff in the Mountain West and in California with fire danger. And so insurers are looking at a risk level of total loss that is much higher than what they saw before. And now they have the computing technology with the massive computing power to figure out much more precisely the risk that may exist in this neighborhood versus a neighborhood a mile away. And so this is becoming a much, much bigger factor. You take fire danger, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of homes that insurers now essentially redline as facing extreme fire danger and then either don't want to insure anymore or the premiums they charge are backbreaking. Obviously, you already know about what's going on in coastal areas with the insurance being canceled or the costs going up. This is a real, real, real experience that everybody knows that's a Florida thing. But did you know it's a Texas thing and is now in other states where the risk coming from hurricanes, storms, is now making insurers say, we're out of here, or charging much more money. But what about general flooding risk in urbanizing areas where low-lying areas that didn't used to be subject to potential flooding now are because of so much water runoff due to trees being cut down, vegetation gone, pavement, buildings, all the rest. So this is the reason why it's a twofer if when you're moving to a new area, you rent before you buy, and before you buy at a place you're thinking of buying, get quotes on what that homeowner's insurance would cost so that you know, are you facing something that's going to be an unexpected and large expense, or even potentially being told, Nobody really is interested in insuring you where you are. Floridians face an ongoing challenge, and there's yet going to be more hearings in the state legislature about what to do about the broken homeowner's insurance market in the state of Florida, where insurers practically 
can't even calculate what the risk is overall from a major storm that hits a big population center. And Krista, we got a lot of questions about we do, in fact, with the homeowner's insurance. I have one here from Patty. She says, our homeowner's insurance in coastal South Carolina has skyrocketed. The insurer we had is not covering the area anymore, and many have dropped out of the market. I shopped around, and all the quotes were double our previous quote that I already thought was pricey before. Do you have any advice on finding affordable coverage? So, Patty, you're not going to, in coastal areas, I mean, this is the short answer, you're going to have a really hard time finding affordable coverage. And so you have to consider being your own insurer as much as you can, which means more and more in coastal insurance markets, you have to be willing to take on very high deductibles where the insurers know that basically at that point, they're only providing catastrophic coverage to you. Normal homeowner's insurance that you're used to really is not part of the picture with a home that is in a coastal area in most of the country now. And so um, we have the privilege and the responsibility, myself of having, my wife and I having a home at the beach. And our homeowner's insurance premiums are crazy high. And we've taken on an extremely high deductible. And uh, this is where the market's moving for coastals. The insurer wants to know at least that you are willing to be their partner by taking on the early dollar responsibility. And then they're only there for the tragic, catastrophic kind of losses. And so that mitigates it some. But the reality is, this is uh, is like something that hot potato, everybody's trying to get rid of. The homeowners, the states, the insurers. And so, particularly if it's a second home, you're going to find that the burdens expected of you are going to be much higher because the interests of the state don't support propping up people who are second homeowners but will provide, like Florida does, indirect subsidies to people that are first homeowners. South Carolina, I don't know if South Carolina is doing anything for primary homeowners, but you're going to find, as a general rule around the country, that states are not going to provide any indirect subsidies to the insurance industry for second homeowners. And from Coleman in Ohio, hi Clark, we bought a house in mid-July and still aren't moved in due to major undisclosed water issues that surfaced three days after closing. We had new carpet installed on day one, it rained two days later, and flooding our lower level. We spent over $20,000 in mitigation, waterproofing, and restoration. When I specifically asked the buyer and his agent if they had water issues, they blatantly lied. I'm an insurance adjuster and have a network of contractors, engineers, water experts, etc. and everyone believes these issues have been going on for a while. I've had four separate neighbors mention they knew about the seller's water issues because he used to bring out furniture or they'd see water pouring out of the garage. We live on a, my modest income 
We've burned through our former emergency fund to get this house ready for living. To make things more stressful, my wife is pregnant and she gets very sick. We aren't looking to win big. We just need our money back. Should we hire an attorney? And it's not just any attorney, Coleman. I mean, it is. this is a situation where you're going to need that individual who's an eyewitness seeing stuff moved out of the house and things like that. You're going to need to have proof, not your word alone, that the water issues were known and clear and documented. And you're going to need to find a, go talk to a real estate attorney and ask him or her for referral to a litigator who they would recommend. It may be a construction-oriented attorney, whatever. And that would be your chance to potentially recover some of this money. If the real estate agent was aware, uh, knew that there was a cover-up going on, that you have an additional party to potentially claim against in addition to that homeowner. But this is why you need to go see an attorney, get referral, because this is a specialized kind of situation. Most of these lawyers who do this kind of work are involved in commercial litigation. You're going to have to find somebody who's interested in doing a residential issue with a cover-up apparently clearly in place. And I'm really sorry. I know that going through pregnancy is hard enough anyway. Your wife to be looking at this home as, as a refuge, as a castle, and have all this going on. This is really bad. And from Robin in Florida, seniors should understand that if they move to a state with a lower tax rate, the services offered by the state may be dramatically different because they don't have the tax funding for the programs. I've worked in the senior care industry for four years and have explained to many Yankees that what they got from their previous state won't be what they get in Florida. So, uh, wow, Robin, there's so much controversy about tax rates and Uh, Florida does have, in the case of Florida, does have an advantage that a huge number of tax dollars flow in because of the tourist dollars that are spent in the state of Florida. But Florida has had a philosophy forever that government does less for its citizens than government might do other places. And a lot of people who do move from Connecticut, New Jersey, Uh, New York, where taxes are much, much higher and resent those taxes. Also, there may be a situation where suddenly you're wearing a second hat and you miss some of the things that government, maybe not so efficiently, but government did in that part of the country. Now, having stepped into that, (laughs) just know you can go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and post. So no matter where you live, no matter where you move, we're here to serve you. And I want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. 